This is Three Interesting Things. Hello and welcome to Three Interesting Things, a weekly podcast where we discuss the three most interesting things on the internet this week as determined by you. I am your host, Don Grant. Joining me today in the co-host chair, the co-host and co-creator of Supposedly, the podcast. Joining me all the way from Bavaria, Germany, Rue Spence. How you doing, Rue? Hey, good. Thanks so much for having me tonight. It is lovely to have you. Tell me one interesting thing about Bavaria that most people might not know in North America. I mean, this kind of dovetails in with my show. It's super haunted here. Is it really? Yeah, there's a is there lot like, of... Is there a, a history of... Well, first of all, hold on, let's pause for a second, because mm-hmm. for people who don't know Supposedly, tell us a little bit about your show, because okay. we're also going to be talking about this when it comes to our second interesting thing this week. Uh, but what, what do you guys talk about on your show? Which I will say is a lot of fun. I was listening to it. Listeners should go to check it out if you are interested in the paranormal and stuff like that. I've, I've stolen your thunder, but tell us a bit about the show. <laughs> so on Supposedly, each week, me and my co-host, Jesse, talk about true crime, murder mysteries, spooky things, a little bit of everything. We throw in some cryptids. We throw in some, like I said, true crime. Uh, I think it'll line up with when this episode comes out for you, Don, we're covering, I'm doing the Dyatlov Pass incident. I'm not sure what Jesse has brought to the table by this point. We haven't recorded it yet. Um, Mm. But we just talk about all sorts of weird stuff that supposedly happened. And have you talked about anything that's happened in Bavaria yet? Um, I've given a couple personal stories of things (laughs) that have occurred. Um, Wait, since you've been there, things have happened to you? uh, Oh, there's a... An entity, I will say, that has residence in the basement of our building. Wow. Okay. To the point that we don't like to take the trash out that way. How are how are lockdown things in Germany right now? I'm I am in Canada and things are definitely in a bad way right now. I, comparatively speaking, they're not as bad as they are, say, in in your hometown, but uh, they're pretty bad here. What are things like in Germany right now? Yeah, so things are actually really stringent right now. We are on curfew between nine p.m. and five a.m., so you have to have like proof that you're going to or from work or right. to the emergency room or something like that. Um, as of like this week, you can only hang out with one other person. So like even me and my husband couldn't go together to someone's house. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's intense. Um, no stores that don't sell food are open. This is a big deal in Bavaria or in Germany in general is that there's no public consumption of alcohol allowed right now. That's yeah. In Germany, that that is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's like not being able to eat donuts in public here in Germany. <laughs> It is funny. My my wife is from the south of France, and uh, in France, it's the same thing. They have a curfew. I think it's 6 p.m. now. Oh, wow. And you know what? Some, something tells me that by the time this episode comes out next week, I think we might have a curfew here in Ontario. But uh, my wife and I talk about the fact quite a bit that it's it's interesting to see how many uh, people are generally supportive of the government, even though we have different political affiliations, that mm-hmm. they at least seem to be listening to the people who are telling them what to do. Yeah, no, it's every time that I, I talk to, I'm from America, and every time that I talk to anyone back home, they're just like, oh yeah, I got cursed out for asking someone to wear their mask today in my restaurant. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, great. 
It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, actually, on on this show so far, we haven't really done a lot of interesting things having to do with the pandemic. However, today, all three of our subjects are going to brush against it a little bit, the second and the third in particular. But the first one, uh, we'll get there. You ready? All right, let's do it. Thing one. Thing number one, the angry, vicious, deranged squirrel of Rigo Park, New York. This is a squirrel. This is, you know, in a town that's well known for a pizza rat and various other things. Uh, in Queens, there is this squirrel. Now, it might sound like a, a crazy thing to be talking about a single squirrel. However, this is now made news worldwide because this is not just a tiny little attack. This is a squirrel in Rigo Park who has bitten and attacked at least three people in the borough of Queens. And when we talk about attack, we're not talking about nibbling on somebody's toes here. It was so fast and he had his claws out. He hung on there. He, it's not like he was jumping and jumping away. He was there. When you sent me this link, I was kind of blown away. So my husband is from New York City and he moved to Kansas City. That's where he went to school and where we met, where I'm from. And he was surprised by how many squirrels we have because he's so used to his rodent scourge being, like you said, pizza rat, Rats, that yeah. he was like, where are all these squirrels coming from? Like, that's not that's not right. It's not good. And so you sent me that. And I was like, oh, man, it's 2021 and the squirrels have invaded New York. <laughs> Nowhere is well, safe. Well, I, I know it is. There, there, there were so many. What were the big there, there were big animal. What were the ones last year? There was murder hornets. Yep. And. Uh, there were a couple that came after that. I can't. Oh, shoot. I should have pulled them up because I'm just thinking about them now. What was yeah. the one after murder hornets? Was it like arson sharks? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but um, for anybody who lives in a town where there are squirrels, and I can tell you that Toronto, we do have a number of squirrels. Hey, fun fact. You're from the States. Yeah. Whenever my American friends come to visit here in uh, Toronto, one of the things that they are all freaked out about is the fact that our squirrels here in Toronto are black. We have black squirrels here, which freaks them all out. They're like, what the hell? And of course, for us, black squirrels yeah. are, are nothing. We see them you know, all over the damn town. Squirrels and raccoons are are the wildlife here in this town. But this particular squirrel uh, attacked a, a number of people, including this woman named Micheline Frederick, who was attacked on December 21st. And she said, quote, suddenly the squirrel ran up my leg and I thought, it's a small rodent. How bad could this be? So I stood completely still. And the next thing I knew, the blood started to fly. It was a wrestling match that got very... Very bloody very quickly now if you think that you are just imagining this squirrel uh, you know nibbling on somebody's hand do a google image search for attack squirrel queens or micheline frederick queens and you will see this woman looks like she was attacked by a lion yeah i instantaneously my brain goes to princess bride with the the rodents of unusual size with this guy <laughs> that's true i don't think <laughs> they exist like, good lord <laughs> <laughs> and they're, uh, th this has been reported on by WCBS in uh, in New York. They were, they're unclear right now as to what's prompted the unusual behavior from the squirrels. Of course, the first thing that came to my head, well, actually, you and I haven't talked about this. What's the first thing that came to your head in terms of why a squirrel would be like this? I mean, instantly you kind of start to think rabies, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. So that was the first thing that I thought too. But apparently squirrels are not big rabies carriers. Well, it's yeah. it's not um it's not impossible, but squirrels and small rodents like this are not big with rabies. And so, of course, that has led to the the big question, what has prompted this very unusual behavior from this uh, incredibly vicious attacking squirrel. 
are, are they feeling threatened with people maybe taking more walks in the park now to try and stay moving in COVID? Well, it is interesting that you say that because one of the things, and this is how this relates to COVID a little bit, is that there are many reports, there have been many reports over the last year about wild animals being a little bit more emboldened and venturing into lockdown cities worldwide. You have deer and raccoons and even wild turkeys and coyotes, and they are making their way into urban settings now. That's wild. Yeah, in Nara, Japan, there are a group of Sika deer who were wandering through city streets and actually into subway stations. Yeah, because of the fact that we are all on lockdown and the cities are not quite as busy as they used to be, there's a lot of urban centers and urban areas that are now less frequented. And, you know, we won't go as far as to say that nature is is taking back the cities, but at the same time, uh, animals are feeling a, a little bit more emboldened to go into them. Definitely. it's not. We're not quite at I Am Legend status just yet. I was actually <laughs> in New York um, back in October. We had a family emergency happen, and I, you know, everyone was like, oh my God, what's it like there? Because when you think New York, you think crowded streets, you know, no shoulder, you know, shoulder to shoulder, no room. And I was like, no, I mean, it's, it's, not busy, but there's still people and they're like, there's not like cracks in the pavement with grass growing out of it. I was like, no, it's been six months. <laughs> so now you are originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. So what would be the urban wildlife equivalent there in that town? We we have a lot of squirrels. That's kind of our okay. city. Even even in the more urban areas, it tends to be squirrels. You do get a couple of like mice and rats, but they're fewer and far between. It's mostly the squirrel. So have you ever heard of a squirrel attack like this? I mean, well, we see squirrels every day. We have squirrels in our backyard, you know, 24-7. Yeah. I've never seen when I, when I looked at... There's even, by the way, if you want to, if the listener wants to, you can go and find footage of some of these attacks because some of the neighbors of many of these people have had security cameras that have caught some of the attacks. Now, it's not exactly high quality, super mega awesome footage, but you can see <laughs> this is a very pissed off squirrel. Uh, have you ever heard of anything like this? I've never heard of anything like that. Most of the squirrels that I'm familiar with flee pretty much as soon as you look their way. They're like, oh, I don't really want to mess with you. You're way bigger than I am. I'll lose. And they just scurry up a tree. I've never had a squirrel standoff before. There's some people who are speculating that, I mean, even if it wasn't necessarily rabies, that the squirrel mm -hmm. could be suffering from disease, or they can even be like this if they're overly used to being fed by people, they can actually be quite aggressive. I've actually, you know, we have a back door that we leave open sometimes in the summer, and we've had squirrels actually come into the kitchen, you know, scrounging for food. Uh, wow. So who the hell knows? Yeah. The one problem actually that, that you do have to worry about with squirrels is that even though they don't necessarily have rabies, they can be carriers of, uh, you know, uh, fleas and ticks and, and that sort of a thing. Uh, my cat Leo can potentially pick up some uh, some unfortunate uh, travelers when he comes in from his uh, journeys throughout the neighborhood. Well, and I'm sure that there's, even if they don't have rabies and you're not going to have like a Cujo situation happen, I'm sure that the bacteria <laughs> in their mouth is not necessarily something you want introduced to your legs and arms. and <laughs> Well, as it stands right now, they have not caught the squirrel. They put down squirrel traps. They are trying to figure out uh, what is, uh, where, where the squirrel is. They have not caught him. He is still on the loose. If anyone listening to this podcast knows the whereabouts of said squirrel. The other thing that's happening is that there's a lot of urban coyotes moving into LA. And this is a, a pretty significant issue. This is no longer just squirrels. If you are around Los Angeles, and this is actually a bit of a problem here in my town as well. I've seen coyotes, uh, but coyotes are 
not as friendly as squirrels in general, and oh. they can and will potentially attack. They'll they'll run away from you most of the time. I don't want to make it seem like coyotes are are nasty and, and horrible, always attacking you. Yeah. Uh, but I have known people to have been attacked by a coyote. I've seen coyotes here, and coyotes. The one thing that you will definitely need to be careful of is, is if you have pets, because coyotes will will definitely go and uh, make a meal out of them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's we we definitely have coyotes in the more rural areas where I'm from. Yeah, researchers think that there's been an expansion in coyote density around LA and then and therefore coyote sightings in Los Angeles County and Orange County and of course that compounded with lockdown has made them a lot more common. People are seeing them left, right, and center, and a lot of pets are going missing. You know what we should do? We should try to actually bring some of the coyotes into Regal Park, New York. There you and go. And see if one of them can, one <laughs> of them can find the squirrel. <laughs> might, t- might take care of its own problem. <laughs> and that squirrel might take care of a couple coyotes in its, in its hey, way. Hey, you know what? If it was a, if it's a cage match between that squirrel and a coyote, I, you know what? Pay-per-view. Baby, yeah. right there. Absolutely. <laughs> Thing two. And for thing number two, we throw it to root. All right. So we've all been kind of hanging out more at home lately, hopefully, if you're following COVID restrictions, which has given us an interesting situation to maybe hear some more interesting and unusual noises around our house. Maybe even discover that we have more roommates than we thought we did. Roommates from the other side. (laughs) People are apparently reporting more ghost sightings in haunted houses since the lockdown has started. Now, this doesn't really surprise me because, you know, we're we're at home more. uh, And this uh, you sent me. This is an article from The New York Times uh, about quarantining with a ghost. For those who believe they are locked down with spectral roommates, the pandemic has been less isolating than they bargained for. Now, this is the point in the show where I I will tell you that I'm an interesting person when it comes to like someone on your particular show, which is that I am largely someone who bases my life on logic, reason, and facts. Consequently, I'm not a big ghost believer. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'm also not one of those people who will say ghosts don't exist. That's ridiculous. Everyone who thinks that is stupid. I'm kind of in between, which is that I, I at present do not believe in ghosts. Okay. But at the same time, it is simply because I have not been presented with enough factual evidence yet to make me believe in ghosts. And I'm open to the fact that that opportunity might happen. I've never had any encounters myself. No one who I have spoken to who I know really well has given me enough evidence about their own experiences. So when I think about something like this, like now we're going to be talking about the, you know, people living with ghosts during quarantine and that kind of a mm-hmm. thing. I wonder how much of it is a psychological thing as opposed to a spectral thing. And you Ben, please feel free to shoot me down a million times. <laughs> no, I, I will agree. And even though I do have a, a spooky kind of paranormal podcast, I think I believe in less ghosts than most people in my field. <laughs> do um I'm, I'm not quite you know your your ghost adventures oh my god there was a sound it's haunted I, I totally feel something bro um but you know there there are those unexplainable things that i don't know if they are ghosts necessarily but something bizarre that defies the logical explanation i have um and so yeah i, I mean with the the lockdown and the pandemic i think it gives us more of an opportunity But I also think that there is a lot to be said for kind of the extra anxieties that we're all feeling right now, which maybe are manifesting themselves in 
sort of the hypervigilance of, oh, my God, I heard a sound. Well, not only that, but now that we are home more often, we are going to be there, you know, when the sun is rising and the bricks and the wood are cracking with heat differentials and that kind of a thing. I know I'm such a killjoy, aren't I? I mean, like, I, that's, this is the kind of stuff where I go. I think, OK, what's the scientific explanation for the fact that my door is creaking? It's not because old man Jacob from 1823 has come back. It's because my <laughs> bricks are heating up in the sun. I will say I'm the type of person that that is automatically where I'd want to go to if I was if I thought I was really you know had something haunting my house I'd be like no no it's the sun expanding the bricks right. there's no way that there's a ghost um well according to uh, a 2019 YouGov survey 45 percent of United States adults believe in ghosts I would be interested to know what that number is in other countries like I'm Canadian and and yeah. in many ways Canadians and Americans are similar and in many ways they are very very different and I would be very interested to know what that is for example I have two teenage daughters well actually one of them is 20 now so I guess I can't say teenager anymore uh, and I have a long-standing debate with them about ghosts because both of them are very big ghost believers and I say prove it and they say I don't have to prove it and I said well there's there's purple <laughs> unicorns on Mars and they say prove it I'm like I don't have to prove it and 18% of Americans believe that they themselves have seen or otherwise encountered a ghost I found that number to be pretty high actually yeah I See, and that's where it's it's tough is I don't know that enough people who are believers still have kind of a skeptical mindset because I think it's important to try and disprove it. And then if you're left with, yeah, I don't know what I saw. Right. I think that's different. But I think so many people do hear the weird crack and, you know, creak and whatever in the door. And they're like, oh, my God, clearly it's haunted. So this article, one of the main people interviewed in this article from The New York Times, a man named John Tenney. Now, had you heard about this guy before or no, no doing your podcast? I don't think so. So he was a former host of a TV show called Ghost Stalkers, which I am sad to say I missed. Um, he <laughs> he estimates that he received about two to five reports of a haunted house each month in 2019. And this year, or sorry, last year now, 2020, it's been more like five to 10 a week. So it went from two to five every month to five to 10 in a week. So as somebody, Rue, who runs a paranormal podcast, to what degree would you say that that is psychology? And to what degree would you that say that that is ghosts? I would say that largely it's probably psychology. I will also say... Hey, you're ruining your brand here, girl. You're ruining your brand. I think a lot of it, too, is is boredom yeah. uh, because I know for me, I've looked into new hobbies. I started a podcast during the pandemic. Hey, so did I. Funny. Hey. That. <laughs> and, you know, so for me, I think part of it is, oh, hey, I finally have time to try and get to the bottom of why I woke up and my keys weren't where I always put them. Right. Or, you know, now that I'm not at work 40, 50 hours a week, I can finally examine why is it always that one creaky spot on the stairs? So I think it's probably a little bit of both that we have less time to just write things off because we're too busy to care. Right. Um, it's it's funny. This guy, when he was when he was talking about this, he he says that he saw a spike uh, right at Y2K in 1999, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I'm not quite sure what that one. And then he said there was another minor spike around 9-11. And then one of the things that he says, which I find to be a little bit gruesome, is that he says uh, there's going to be. A, well, actually, no, this is not this one. Sorry, sorry. Let me back up, because one of the other things I found is that, you know, we're going to be talking in the next segment about how how covid is impacting our lives. Spoiler alert. Hey, stay tuned for another five minutes and you're going to be hearing about that. But one of the things that is uh, happening is that ghost hunters are losing a lot of gigs because they can't go into houses anymore because of COVID. I think that, you know, and here I'm going to try and save my brand and 
salvage any hope that oh, anyone go. might listen. Go, go, go. Um, I, I, I've seen in, you know, these people who kind of study the paranormal that there is an idea or a belief that intense emotion can ramp up your haunting experiences. Yeah, you know what? I buy that. I, I completely buy that. When we talk about poltergeists especially, we see that happen a lot when there's a teenager in the house, particularly a teenage girl, because those hormones just start flying and there's more energy to be used hey. for a manifestation. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see, and, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of, of pain and a lot of grief that's happened in the last year or so, so I could see that being something that could potentially be a breeding ground for the spooky and the spectral. Well, this is a, a paranormal investigative team named Paranormal NYC. And what they do is they respond to people who claim that their house uh, is haunted. Uh, the pandemic has forced them to hold off making any in-person visits, which usually go, they usually have around 50 calls a year. So about one a week. And that has obviously gone way down because they can't go into people's houses anymore. But what, what this guy said that I thought was really sort of odd was he said his group started to get a lot of business after 9-11. The idea being that so many people died in 9-11 that those were the ghosts who were coming back. And now he says, quote, the same thing's going to happen now because of COVID-19. The people who died of COVID-19, especially in New York, it won't happen right away. It'll happen in 2022 and we will be bombarded with calls. And I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that's that's one of those that it's like, well, I mean, if we are to believe that ghosts are dead people, yeah, but man, that is that is hard to think about. Yeah. I, I do often like the idea, though, of getting some more modern ghosts. You know, a lot of times we have these Victorian ladies in white yeah. and everything. I, I just want a ghost that wants to watch The Office and like <laughs> listen to bad 2000s pop music with that's me. That's like, true. I want to wake true. up at three in the morning one night to just, it's Britney bitch. And then like <laughs> a glass falls off the table. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. Cause one of the things I found, uh, when I was, when we were talking when I was looking to talk about this is the benefits of being haunted during the pandemic. This is from a blog called the daily clog, uh, by from the daily California, which talks about some of the benefits of being haunted during the pandemic, in, including the fact that there is no need to social distance from a ghost because of course they cannot get sick. Uh, they can scare people off who get, too close to you so that's good and my personal favorite they may already have some pandemic tips from the spanish flu <laughs> well there you go <laughs> <laughs> i don't know so if you really had to break it down i'm going to assume that you do believe in ghosts as a general theory i do yeah i've i've seen some pretty convincing stuff in my lifetime that I have not been able to explain away, which, like I said, is kind of my first avenue when I approach this kind of stuff. And I've I've just seen some weird stuff that I'm like, all right, yep, I, I kind of got to go that direction. You know, it's funny as as a, as a skeptic, mm -hmm. I, I actually, in some way, I I do like to hear that because as much as I don't believe in ghosts, I would I would love it if somebody could convince me. I would love it if somebody said to me, "Here's the evidence," and they put it in front of me, and I said, "You know what? I'm wrong. I've been wrong this whole time," and and. Good on you for convincing me. Yeah. Well, and then your daughters would finally, you know, they'd be like, all right, well, dad finally came to the light side. Oh, okay. Since you put it that way, no, I don't <laughs> want to be convinced. <laughs> Thing three. Thing number three, the 10 ways COVID-19 has changed the world, perhaps forever. Now, as we talked about at the top of the show, it's uh, something that we haven't really talked about too much on this show over the last month or two, but... Now that we are in 2021, and boy, doesn't it feel so much better than 2020? Uh, for the first five days, I would have given a <laughs> resounding yes. But I now know, I'm just I like, know. all right, you know, it's fine. 20, 2021 is just 2020, but with bangs. <laughs> 
like Joe Exotic Tiger King bangs. Not even good ones. <laughs> the funny thing is, if you look back, if you look back at COVID and the year of COVID, because we're now approaching a year. Yeah. There are so many ways that our lives have changed that we have just become kind of used to. Mm. And this comes to us from LiveScience.com, and it's a list of the ways that the COVID has changed the world forever. And there are things that when you look at them, you kind of take for granted. For example, new vocabulary. All of us now know social distancing. All of us now know flatten the curve. All of us now know, many of us now know what a, what an R not number is. Like all of these things that none of us really knew anything about, which are now part, so much a part of our vocabulary that we use them almost daily. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was a huge thing for me is having to also learn those terms in both languages living in Germany. Oh, really? Oh yeah. yeah I, I never thought about that. Yeah. It's the same because my wife is French that I've been learning some of it in French. So what's social distancing in German? I don't know how to say it, but I can recognize it. Um, and then their their English translation, they do mind the meter. My, oh, that's it. Oh, mind the meter in terms of the distance. Yeah, yeah. That one's always uh, comes up a lot. The hardest part for me with, with the language barriers is how much we rely on watching someone's mouth to understand when maybe they're harder to understand. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm a dumb American. You're going to have to say that one again for me. <laughs> Even if you're speaking to somebody who's speaking English, I found that myself, that when I'm talking to people who are wearing a mask, it makes me realize, and maybe it's just because I'm old as kerosene, that that I rely on reading someone's lips very heavily. And you don't realize yeah. how much you rely on reading someone's lips until all of a sudden that's taken away because they're behind a mask. Absolutely. I feel like I need subtitles. My brain just buffers and I'm like, I have no idea how to process what's being said right now. How about flatten the curve? Is that Do you know that in German? No. Yeah, I, I don't know that one in German um, because I still get my news in English. But, you know, when I look at the graph of new infections in the United States right now, like I wonder if maybe when they said flatten the curve in the States, maybe they should have specified along the X axis as opposed to the Y axis. But right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a discouraging day for me when I, I looked and I compared the entire cases of one day in Germany and found that there was 11 less than in my home state of Missouri on the same day. I was like, oh, that's that's not great. I was just reading this morning that over the last three days, uh, more people have died in the United States of COVID than during both Gulf Wars and 9-11 combined. And it's not even a top 10 news story. Heartbreaking. I know. It's it's unbelievable, yeah. really. Um, yeah. Of course, other additions like masks obviously became quite ubiquitous. I remember that's uh, there, there were probably, I'm sure you have one of these. There was the time when I realized that shit was going to get serious and permanent. And mm -hmm. I remember the time, there were two times when I realized it most for me. One of them was when I started to see branded masks. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Toronto guy and I'm a big basketball fan. So... I, on my Facebook, all of a sudden I started seeing ads for Toronto Raptors face masks and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, so we're doing this now. And then I was driving down the street to pick up my daughter from work and I noticed that the COVID testing center didn't have like a haphazard scrawled sign. It had a permanently printed sign, which probably cost tens of thousands of dollars. And yeah. I'm like, oh, we're in this for the long term. Did you have one of those moments where you were like, this is for realsies? I've had a couple. And honestly, one of them was just last week. I was standing in line at the grocery store and I noticed, you know, I said the, the whole mind the meter and they have those signs printed on the floor on little stickers where you're meant to stand. Mm -hmm. And I noticed how old and peeled up and raggedy it looked. And I was like, <laughs> we have been in this long enough for them to have to 
make signs, make these floor stickers, deploy them and, and put them all over. And now we've been in it so long that they're getting old and torn up. I know. And that was just, wow, how long this has actually gone on for. And yet, isn't it weird that it's all gone on for that long, but at the same time, a year ago from right now, none of us knew any of this was coming? Well, I mean, we I guess we knew because yeah. it was already happening in Wuhan, but we didn't know what extent it was going to be. It's it's crazy to think the dichotomy of both of those things. Uh, obviously, anxi- anxiety, depression... There was a study published in October that found that alcohol consumption in the United States rose 14% during pandemic shutdowns. I will bet if they did that study again in January of 2021, that number is going to go even higher. Women in particular reported a worrying increase in heavy drinking during the spring of 2020 when when the first wave was around. By the way, have you ever looked at a, a difference in the bar graph between the first wave and the second wave? Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's in, we saw we saw one this morning and it, it's just like it's the difference between, you know, Scrappy Doo and Scooby Doo. Yeah, it's insane. absolutely. It's like a Pokemon evolution, honestly. The other thing, of course, is that we have the, the two, two of the main things that sort of have come up a lot. Number one is the difference in education and school closures mm-hmm. and how that's going to change, because now many children, including mine, are doing most of their learning at home. I, you know, I'm going to guess that by the time this is all done, my youngest daughter, who is in grade 11, will have spent a good 90% of her grade 11 year at home. Now, aside from the educational ramifications of that, you also have to think about the social ramifications of that, right? Because, you know, think about when you and I were in grade 11, what kind of crazy shit were we doing? Because we were around people and we were doing stuff. This is, you know, my daughter, the craziest stuff she can do is, you know, have a shower at at midnight. And that's why we all have bangs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that the the feeling of isolation is so intense. I, For me, it was kind of humorous to notice when everyone else started to feel really lonely and isolated because having moved abroad, obviously I didn't know anybody when we first got here. And right. you kind of keep in touch with some of your friends and you kind of don't with some others and whatever. And so for the first few months we were here, I was super isolated and whatever just because I hadn't met anybody yet. And then the lockdown started and people were like, I'm so lonely. I haven't seen my mom in like two months. And I was like, it's been a year and a half for me, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, cry me a river. Yeah, I was like, welcome to the party. We've been waiting for you. Would you like some hors (laughs) d'oeuvres? Well, one of the, the theories that I had during the first part of the lockdown was that it didn't seem to be affecting Uh, I mean, my experience was with teenagers because I live with two of them. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem to be affecting them mentally, I think, as much as it was affecting us. And my theory at the time, and I have no scientific backing to prove this, was that my teenagers and most teenagers, a good portion of their social interactions are already virtual. You know what I mean? They're already Snapchatting their friends. They're already in group chats on WhatsApp, whatever. So, so many of their stuff was already established to be virtual anyway. Whereas you and I, most of our, you know, social interactions and our social training is from face-to-face interaction. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that's got to, got to do with some of it. And if and we can end on a more positive note, which is one of the main things that has come out of this. If if you were sort of keeping track of vaccine research, which of course I was because I was completely up on my vaccine research before all of this started because I'm such a genius, um, is that the fastest that a vaccine was ever developed before this was, th- I think it was three and a half years. And I think it might have been the mumps vaccine. Normally new vaccines take years to, and or decades to come up with. Here we are, this thing in just under 12 months 
we are not only do we have a vaccine, we are administering the vaccine, which might be one of the biggest things to have come out of all of this. Absolutely. I mean, the the scientific minds at work are just so admirable through through all of this, everyone in healthcare, whether it's on the research side or actually on the face to face, you know, the boots on the ground of of the first responders, the essential workers has been unlike anything I ever could have imagined seeing. Yeah, no, it gives it definitely gives you uh, gives you hope for the future here in 2021. Let's let's try to be as positive as we possibly can. Woohoo! <laughs> and that will do it for this week's show. Rue, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you have any socials you want to throw away aside from supposedly which people should go and have a listen to, especially if you're interested in the paranormal and if you're not a killjoy like me and you believe in ghosts and all that kind of stuff? Uh, what are the places where we can follow you? Uh, I'm definitely not as exciting. I am on Twitter at Rue Eats Food to set myself <laughs> apart from the little girl in the Hunger Games. Love it. <laughs> uh, okay. And would you like to come back on the show sometime? I would love to. This has been an absolute blast. And, you know, as we were talking about how life has changed with COVID, I was like, oh, my God, I got to meet someone new. And I know what the bottom half of your face looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Technology is an amazing thing. That's one of the nice things about doing a podcast is that I don't have to subject people. That's why I stay behind the mic. People don't have to look at me and see what I actually look like. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hey, what's the most interesting thing you've seen on the internet this week? Fact? Article? Something else? We want it. Email us at threeinterestingthings at gmail.com. Follow our Instagram at three, that's the number three interesting things, or tweet it to us at three interesting. You'll get a shout out on the show. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. It really helps people find the show. We'll see you next week. <laughs>